Hello, fabulous friends, fans, and superstars. Welcome to Synchronicity Web TV. I am your host, Nadia Shaw, and this is your moment of synchronicity. Well, I'm so excited to celebrate with you once again, the one and only Taylor Schuler. Now, I met Taylor back last summer, and I'll tell you, when I met her, she made such an impression. I could feel that this woman was ready for the world of astrology, really, to know her. And she has not disappointed at all. She's taught at Synchronicity University before. You know she's such a pro. And now she's back with her own five-week course it is on purpose and it is choose your tuition rate for a very limited time. You've got just a couple of weeks left to choose your tuition rate. An unheard of rate as low as just $5 a class to learn from the one and only Taylor Schuler. You are about to see once again why she is such a pro and she is so ready as a shining star in astrology today. Taylor, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me again, Nadia. It's such a pleasure. Well, I love spending time with you. I love hanging out with you. I always learn something from you. So, uh, of course, I wanted you to come back. And you are a popular teacher among students at Synchronicity University. Uh, you just know what you're doing. And that's always really nice where it comes to a teacher. Oh, thank you. I, I received that. I appreciate that affirmation, especially coming from you, Nadia. It's amazing. Oh, you're so sweet. And so... Purpose. That is what we are looking at over five weeks. But um, outside of just the class, what can you tell us about purpose and astrology? How do they connect for you? Yeah. So, you know, one of the reasons I came to astrology and that I know a lot of other people love coming to astrology as well is because we just want to know what our life purpose is. We want to make meaning out of things, right? Meaning making is really important. So for me, especially through the pandemic, it was like, why is this happening? What is the meaning? What is the purpose of the thing? And I think that's a really beautiful thing that astrology can help us to understand. And for me, you know, we go through things. We go through good things. We go through difficult things. We go through ambiguous things. We have all these experiences in life. But what's the meaning, right? What's the purpose? Like, why are we here? What are we doing? Where are we going? And I love that astrology can help us to answer so many of these questions. Um, and I think a lot of our purpose is not something that's like negative or to bring us down or has to be such a downer. I think our purpose is to thrive. Our purpose is to play. Our purpose is to love. Our purpose is to give. Uh, our purpose is to understand that there's abundance around us, but we all have our own individual purpose as well. And so that's something that I'm really passionate about. And one of the things that I, or one of the ways that I love to teach purpose is using this framework called Ikigai. It's Ikigai. this Japanese concept. Yes. Uh, well, it, it's not necessarily a Japanese concept, but it comes from two Japanese words, um, uh, Iki and Gai. And so it's, it's really your life purpose, your raison d'etre, or your reason to get out of bed in the morning. And part of how it came about was... Uh, some researchers were looking into these super centenarians and they were looking into blue zones. So places where you have super centenarians. So people who live not just to 100, but maybe even 110 years old uh, or more. And what was their secret? You know, if you're living that long, you probably want to be here, right? You're probably doing something right. You're doing something good. You're having a good time. And so they 
they researched them. They found out what some of their secrets were. And of course, what they ate and how they moved their bodies was a part of it. But also this deeper thing of having a purpose, having a reason for your feet to hit the floor in the morning and get out of bed and do something was a huge part of it. Now, you know I have a background in human resources. So in the past, I've done different types of assessment. I've done the DISC, I've done the Hogan, I've done the Myers-Briggs, the MBTI, I've done strengths finders, all of these things. But for me, astrology is really the key. And the thing is, even when you use this Ikigai framework, which helps us find our purpose, it asks you a couple questions. You actually don't need astrology to do the Ikigai framework to find your purpose. Um, what I find is that some people get stuck. They're like, I think I'm good at this. I think I'm good at that. I think I like this. I think I could make money at that, but I just need a little more help. And that's what our astrology charts can do. They can really pinpoint some of these things. Now, can it tell us like exactly everything? No, that's because we have free will, right? But we have these energies, we have these archetypes, we have the possibility. And that's basically what I do is I, I looked at the uh, astrology charts and all the techniques that I'm aware of and kind of put them together. And I said, how can we help people figure out what they love, what they're good at, what they can make money at, and what the world needs from them? And so what the world needs from them, not just now, but in the future. Or what did it need from me five years ago or 10 years ago? And how can you tell that story? Because we're not static, right? We're dynamic individuals. We keep changing. And the chart changes with us. It changes because of transits and progressions and all kinds of things. So even though you have a purpose, your purpose is dynamic too. It changes from day to day, from month to month, from year to year, from transit to transit, from lunation to lunation. And we can find the opportunity that can lead us to our purpose and, and help us not just live to work, but work to live and play and thrive and love. So that was a little long-winded, but... No, it was perfect. I love it. And so I know that it's a five-week course, so you'll be looking at all these different things that you mentioned and areas that you mentioned. But I wondered like, if right now, off the top of your head, I would love if people kind of were able to, as a result of just watching this interview, and they felt like they learned something so that they can look at their own chart and get some insights. And and so as you're talking, I'm even thinking about my chart. I'm thinking, yeah, what could that be? What could that be? So can you maybe do a little bit of a mini lesson? Like, what's one thing right now that people could look at their charts and that could help them on this journey towards understanding purpose? Oh, that's such a good one. So I think the the most obvious one that folks are going to think about, there's there's two obvious ones for me. One is what you love. And the other one is like what your overall purpose is. And when you hear purpose, I think the first thing people think about are the lunar nodes. So we will look at the lunar nodes. We will look at the 10th house and the mid heaven to figure out what the purpose is, what your legacy is going to be to really wrap up the story. So I think if you just want to cut to the chase, the lesson would be, where's your North node and where's your South node, right? So you can look at the North node as where we're going to. The nodes are places in the chart that you can't, you can't see them in the sky, but they're mathematically calculated and they're based on the alignment of the sun and the earth and the moon. And those nodes tell us a little bit about from an evolutionary perspective, 
where our soul is going or what lessons we're trying to learn in this lifetime. And I think that speaks a lot to our purpose and it helps us because once you synthesize the chart, so we'll, we'll synthesize the chart. We'll be looking at so many things. Um, once you synthesize it, it tells the story and it's like, to me, the nodes are the, so that, right. So that you can X or Y. Now, the thing about the nodes is that they're this thing where at the south node, the lower vibration of the south node is like where you get stuck, where you kind of hear that sucking noise, like pulling you back, like, the you know, down the drain. That's like the low vibration of the south node. And we all feel it at some point. And so I say that just to acknowledge that sometimes life is hard and sometimes we get stuck in places we don't want to be. But there's an invitation, right? And so we'll look at the invitation of how do you reframe the nodes so that they support you and so that it feels good? So for example, uh, if you have the nodes in the, in the first and seventh house, like if you have the north node in the first house and the south node in the seventh house, south node in the seventh house might be like, I've been in a committed relationship and that relationship took all my energy. I mean, I wasn't able to get out of the house because I was always you know, cooking and cleaning and caring for my partner. It just, my partner was my whole world and I love them so much. So it felt great. But then at the same time, it was like, but who am I? And you, you kind of wake up one day and you go, I don't have any friends or like, I don't have a career or I don't have an identity or I didn't brush my hair today <laughs> because I brushed their hair instead. I didn't eat today because they ate instead. You know, this is kind of an extreme example. And so you have to move towards the North Node in the in the first house and move away from that seventh house of committed partnership, move more towards the first house of self and personality. And that can be someone who maybe there wasn't an example when they were growing up of how to be themselves, how to show up in their own personality. And so all of the things in the chart are really, um, and all the transits, all of the life experiences are leaning, leading you towards reframing this so that you are using the strength of the committed relationships, using your gifts of knowing how to partner with other people and attracting partners who are loyal. But instead of giving all your energy to support them, you are actually using that relationship so it supports you in becoming the individual of yourself in the first house in the North Node area. So that's just one little thing. So how can you reframe the nodes and look at the challenges in your life or where, you know, things aren't working for you and turn it into an opportunity, turn it into a strength so that you can understand what your purpose is. And sometimes your purpose is just to like develop an identity and there's more layers to it. It's like, what sign are these nodes in? Um, what aspects are planets making to the nodes? And especially when planets are square the nodes, I think that can be really challenging, but there are opportunities for us to strengthen whatever the invitation is. So I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love um, how you're talking about the nodes. Now you mentioned synthesis. I'm a big believer in synthesis, I'll tell you, because I know we can teach like the pieces and we can show you these different pieces, what's been called cookbook astrology, right? But there's something about being able to put it all together so that it speaks to you personally that can be very powerful in and of itself. Now, I'm going to ask you to get a little bit cookbook, though, because you just were wonderful when you explained having the North Node in the first house and what that means. 
How do you feel about maybe just very quickly, with just a few key words, if we went through the North Node, through the houses, and I understand maybe touching on the polarity of the South Node as well, just so that everybody out there, depending on their own North Node placement, maybe they could see it a little bit differently as a result of what you're teaching and sharing with us now. Would that be okay? Does that feel okay to you? Yeah, absolutely. So looking at the nodes through the houses, um, and and we'll make it super cookbooky. So we'll just say like, first house is Aries, like second house, Taurus. So you can use some of that energy. And kind of going quickly through the cookbook, it's going to be super duper cookbook. There's so many nuances and so many layers and so much more depth to this to add to it. But so if you have the North node in the first house or Aries, like I said, about becoming yourself, about being an individual, about, um, you know, being inspired and really leaning into your own personal freedom and power. If you have the South node there, it's going to be more about how do you let go of that and then move more towards the North node in Libra to be in partnership. So how do you use your own individuality to contribute to a partnership? So that would be the reverse of, of that. So uh, South Node in the seventh or in Libra is how do I turn the partnership into a strength that supports me to become myself? Whereas the reverse would be how do I uh, use my strengths, but not make it all about me necessarily and know who I am as an individual to see how I partner and to contribute to a partnership better. So that would be Libra. North Node. So let's have a look at the second eighth house access. Yeah. What so do you think that could mean? Yeah. Taurus and Scorpio, second house, eighth house. For the eighth house, I love to think about a couple things. One is, of course, this is about resources, but I also think it's about our mental health. It's about the meaning of life. And so if you have the South Node in the eighth house, how are you not getting sucked into like all of the details and all the depth of the enormity of the world and and how intense things can be and and giving and giving and giving too much and it could show up as financial debt, it could just show up as like the heaviness of our own mind and the perseveration and things like that and move more towards the simple things in life, the simple pleasures, um, the simple luxuries finding meaning, value, and purpose in things, and using that to support ourselves. Um, really thinking about quality over quantity, North Node in the second, or um, or in Taurus, so that, um, so that we're living a better life, so that we're, you know, that's why they say Taurus like, like snacks and comfiness and stuff like that. And, <laughs> but it's like, they're thinking about quality over quantity. Uh, now, if you're reversing that, how do you use the south node in the second house, Taurus, by knowing the quality um, and not getting sucked into like getting all of the designer bags and things like that? And it's like, okay, so what what is the quality here? Um, if I'm going to spend some money, for example, how am I going to make it quality and not quantity? And how am I going to use my own self-confidence, second house, my own talents and skills and abilities to lean into a greater understanding of the universe, to give to others, to support other people, to know that my own value, my own self-confidence is strengthened when I am contributing to other people and to helping to heal and to understanding the mysteries of the universe as well. The third and ninth house axis. 
Oh, I love the third and ninth house. Um, I've just had the nodes like move through my third and ninth house. And it's just so much fun, like having those activations. So the third and the ninth house is all about communication, movement, travel, and can also be about some relationships that are not, um, you know, like aunties and uncles or cousins or siblings, stuff like that, uh, our neighbors. And so the third house or Gemini is all about communication, memory. So what is the vehicle that we're using? Sometimes literally, right? Like it can be vehicles. It can be, am I walking around town? Like, what am I exploring? What am I learning? That's the Gemini curiosity. If you have the South node in Gemini or in the third house, it's like the sort of negative thing can be about getting sucked into too much information, like information overload, analysis paralysis. Then that would mean you have the North node in the ninth house. And so the invitation is to step out of the analysis paralysis and use the information that you have to explore new places, Sagittarius ninth house, to ascend to higher learning, to counsel and advise others, and to spread the message and the good word of the information that you have and have collected and synthesized. Now, if you have the South Node in Sagittarius or the ninth house, you might love exploring and traveling all around the world, but you might miss the fact that you can take all of that knowledge and wisdom from that's cross-cultural or from universities and then bring it back down, right? Are you working with children? Are you um, really conscious of how you can take the global and make it local? Are you uh, really attending to those relationships that you have that are important to you, uh, your siblings, your neighbors? And, and what is that like? And also memory is so core. So how are you honoring memory, institutional memory, personal memory, or using the strength of your own memory to uh, to help others with information and counsel and guidance and wisdom. The fourth and 10th access. This is another really interesting one uh, that I find, if, especially if you have first, seventh, fourth, and 10th, it's just like the, the squares are always triggered, you know? So you might find that your home and family fourth house or cancer, your roots, your ancestry, even real estate, become, if the South Node is there in the fourth house, become something that is just kind of always there. Like, you know, you've moved on, you're an adult, you've got your own life, but somehow your parents are like, hey, can you come home? We need you to take care of dad now. Or there's a lot of real estate and the family has a family business that you're attending to. And so all of your energy is going in there. And you feel like it's kind of hard to like emerge and go towards that 10th house. Now, if you have the South Node in the 10th house, you might feel like, it's constantly other people or like some legacy or being out in public. Um, and it can also be another parent, right? Because the fourth and the 10th can be the mother and the father, or, you know, I like to describe the parental relationship of the fourth and 10th houses, the parent who is mostly at home versus the parent who is mostly out in the world. Because we can have two mothers, we can have two fathers, um, we can have, you know, just parents and not have to assign gender there. And um, so, so that parental relationship, where's the responsibility? Where's the work? What are you known for? Are you known for that care, compassion, nurturing, becoming a parent? And what are you parenting? You might have children, you might not, but uh, what is that thing that you are fostering, that you're growing, that you're nurturing? And is it something that's being released to the public or is it something that you're sort of giving back uh, to the earth? Uh, because it's something you've inherited, maybe from your ancestors or your family. Very powerful. Now, next up is my placements, the fifth and 11th axis. 
oh, the fifth and the 11th. I feel like I have so many clients who have this fifth and 11th house access. And it's so interesting because the fifth and the 11th house are like really magical places. And I think it's because Venus has her joy in the fifth house. And so this was like that other thing where I was like, well, there's two things we could talk about. We could talk about like what you what you love doing, or we could talk about like purpose and, and the nodes. And the fifth house is like where you're creative, right? Leo, where you shine, where you're playful, where you, you have, um, where you literally create things. You can create children. You can create like a child, right? Like what's your baby? right? Is, is, um, is your work your baby? Is your creative project your baby? Are you artistic in some way? Um, and then the 11th house is where we have our hopes and our dreams and how we make the world a better place. And also the people out there in the world who support us and support the work that we want to create, support our legacy. And so there's often with, um, with this nodal axis, and I find it, it, it flips a lot. So I don't even want to say if you have the south node here, or the north node here, because I find it's just one of those that it really just depends on the person and a lot of their other placements, um, especially like Virgo rising or um, an earth ruled like fifth house. I find a lot of nodal reversals here. So I'm not going to go into like the, the um, you know, what the south node would do versus the north node, but it really is a, a dynamic tension between um, having children, caring for children, not being able to have children sometimes, which can be really painful. And then using that journey to make the world a better place and to contribute something so that seven generations of children in the future, based on your dreams, based on your hopes, based on what you wanted to see in the world, will be a better place, right? Seven generations into the future. So it's actually almost like this grandmother energy or like grandparent energy of being able to do something even greater than your greatest hopes and dreams that you'd ever imagine based on your own uh, skills and abilities. And finally, the sixth and 12th axis. Yeah, another, they're all so interesting, aren't they? It's like, oh man. So the sixth house or Virgo, and um, was just talking about Virgo risings. It's like, you've got the subject matter expertise. You've got this thing that you can do really well. And it's because you've had to work really hard at it, sixth house. Um, sometimes it can be the thing that you're working really hard at is your own physical well-being. You can see that a lot with the sixth house. At some point, something happens and you're like, hold the presses, stop right there. The only thing that matters is my health right now or something like that. And you learn a lot. You learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about your spirit. When you're having to slow down and stop what you were doing, you get time to think. You get time to be with yourself. And when you get time to think like that, that's so quiet, 12th house, there's this profound spiritual healing that happens. There's this retreat, there's this isolation, there's this behind the scenes work that's going on in your mind, in your body, in your soul. And so it really is, you know, am I, how can I be here now? Is almost like the sixth and 12th house axis, be here now. It's very like Ram Dass. Um, Am I so busy at work all the time, sixth house that I'm burnt out and now I have to just chill and not do that anymore? And then when that happens, do I go 12th house on a retreat? Do I, how do I take care of my own spiritual uh, well-being? And then how am I, um, 
how am I healing and how am I giving back and contributing to the world? And I think that these people can be profoundly spiritual uh, and, and that spirituality, it's almost like, it's also the humble axis. People on this axis are so humble and they become servant leaders to the world because that Virgo Pisces axis, you see a lot of people with 12 house um, placements becoming our leaders in the world, becoming really famous because they have done this work, they have this subject matter expertise, and they're able to connect it to the spiritual plane to help heal us collectively and lean into collective compassion. You all see why I told you Taylor is ready. Taylor is on it. I was telling you that was not planned at all. I just threw that out there and on the <laughs> spot, she was able to go through all the houses. Remember you guys, you do synthesize the information. Of course, you have to take sign placements and house placements, put it together and other aspects, just like Taylor was saying, but it's so nice to be able to have these foundational understandings and to grow forward from there. Taylor really knows what she's talking about. And so again, Taylor is coming back to Synchronicity University, this time with a five-part course looking at astrology and exploring your purpose over five weeks, as low as just $5 a class for just a couple more weeks. I hope that you'll join us. Well, you can go to synchronicityuniversity.com and learn a lot more. Sign up there as well. Taylor, I adore you. I love watching you shine. Um, I just think when I met you last year, you made such an impression. And my instincts have been right on about you. Uh, you are so ready. You have so much to give. I love watching you give. Thank you. And obviously, the feeling is mutual. I have chills. I'm like, is Nadia saying this to me right now? <laughs> like, this is, oh, you're such yes. a blessing. Thank you, Nadia. Thank you. Thank you so much, Taylor. And thank you, everybody out there for watching. Until we connect again, take care. Bye.